It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jazz down 1-4-0-5 to play. Joe Johnson to the front court with 24 points and a meter running. Rolls to the right side of the floor. He's double teamed. He fires. He hits again! Joe Johnson is levitating as he heads back the other way. He's 36 years old and he's gone into a time chamber and he's dubbing in the NBA playoffs. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 24th of April. The Jazz have even the series of two. Do they have the edge, the adjustments of Quinn Snyder, the miracles of Joe Johnson on a Sunday? We break it all down and the defensive faves. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Wow. 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 I hope you stayed up for it. It's late. Wasn't as late on a Sunday. Uh, but boy, I hope it's worth it. And it's too bad because I think so many, uh, kids are asleep and, and missing the excitement. I know my daughter, uh, who's a huge fan, 12 years old, uh, didn't get to see it. Uh, she got the replay on Jazz Game Rewind, uh, and, uh, she listened to the fourth quarter because I happen to have the fourth quarter, uh, of radio. So, uh, but anyway, gosh, what an incredible, incredible performance last night by the Jazz, the crowd, the arena. Uh, just a really, really cool night. I, I gotta say, uh, I don't know how the players do this. I am exhausted right now. I am just completely like brain dead exhausted. I rewatched the fourth quarter just now to try to get ready to do the show and, and make sure to miss anything. And holy smokes, uh, I, how these guys are doing it is, and I don't know what, I, I gotta figure game five is, Going to be a little sloppy, a little worn out. I do think uh, this is what gets interesting in this series is that, you know, some of these guys have done this before, others haven't, and this may be where um, you really figure out what you're, who's got what uh, going through. All right, we'll get to the program. We'll do our pins across the world. We will uh, as well. I'm going to tell a little different pin story coming up here because uh, I just thought it was cool. And uh, we will break down the ball game and then talk a little bit about what's going on around some of the other playoffs. Though, frankly, it's interesting how little I've watched of the other playoffs uh, just so embedded um, in this series. Today's show is brought to you by Jamalto. Jamalto is a really interesting company. Dan Spence is uh, who reached out to us and, and how we connected. Uh, Jamalto is the uh, digital kind of security leader, uh, digital, global leader in digital security. And uh, what they, you know, this world is, is nuts right now. Everything interconnected and they're going to give your company security. I'll tell you more about them. 
And I mean, it's also brought to you by Blue Apron. You can get your first three meals for free with Blue Apron using the promo code L-O-C-K-JAZZ. L-O-C-K-JAZZ. Uh, really, we've had great fun with Blue Apron. It was turkey burgers with lemongrass and ginger this week and loved it. It was a huge hit. There wasn't a single uh, a bite left on the table. All right, let's get to it. My pin across the world, I didn't actually... I just thought this was a cool moment. So last night I left the arena probably around 11.30. And uh, maybe 11.15 or so. I probably could look it up. I called my wife right after I drove out. But so it's right there. Well, Rudy Rudy left particularly uh, late last night. And uh, probably around the same time. And... As Rudy left, there were two people outside the arena in their Rudy Gobert shirts, and Rudy stopped and signed um, for them. So this was, yeah, this was at 11. I called my wife at 11.20, so this is about 11.15 last night. So, I mean, they waited quite a long time after the game, and... So as they're walking away, I, I rolled down my window as the next car out and said, hey, excuse me. And they came over. Well, they're both French. This nice young woman, nice young man. They, they, they were just really cool. Both au pairs, uh, one in Riverton, one in Sugar House. And they said, they said, and they have actually gotten through this kind of being outside the gate after every game, I guess I didn't quite understand the whole story, but they've gotten to know Rudy. They've, they did it in the past. Uh, at one point, Rudy, you know, they, then he, they speak French to him, so he's obviously ecstatic about that. And then, I guess, through uh, the times, they've gotten to meet, he introduced him to his mom, to Rudy's mom. Rudy's mom is, is one of the most uh, lovely, adorable women. Um, I don't know if adorable is a, translates as a compliment in Fran- French, but I mean, so just her, her adoration of her son and, uh, is, is what I'm referencing in that comment. She does not speak any English, uh, and she comes out and spends time with Rudy, and it's just wonderful to see the two of them, uh, together when they're there. But so there, these are the, this, so this is my pins across the world. But one is in Riverton and one is in Sugar House, but they're from France, and they're wearing the Rudy Gobert jerseys, and he stops to sign and talk with them for a moment on his way out last night, and, and then I spoke with him from, I just thought it was a, it was a cool story. It's 11 15, 11 20, and, and the world is, you know, it's kind of stopped. The madness had stopped at that point, uh, but it, but we continued. So, uh, wow, it was, it was cool. Uh, that was just kind of the, the last feel good moment I had at the arena. I want to take uh, before we dig into the X's and O's of the game. Uh, maybe this is unimportant to you guys. the The amount of work that's been done by the Jazz uh, behind the scenes staff to rev up the arena, to make it awesome. To have T-shirts on nineteen thousand nine hundred eleven shirt uh, seats, to commit. Uh, in years past, we—I'll be honest—we did the low, a few years ago. We did the lower bowl only shirts, and I—I don't want. I, I hope I don't offend. I—I I didn't like it. Like I just you either do it or you don't, and we did it. We've done it right. The, the, the amount of things this organization is doing correctly right now. I don't know if it's the leadership of Steve Starks or if it's some of the new people. Um, you know, we have a vice president of marketing, Craig. I'm going to end up leaving out names. Craig Sanders and Nate Randall that are incredible, and uh, 
So there's just a bunch of really great people in our organization right now, and and that building has been really special uh, the last two nights. On a, on a personal note, I were I, I will tell you how great this company is to work for. Uh, the best way I can to say it is that. So I, I will go back and I will listen to the entire broadcast today. If I was not great last night, it is solely based on my failures. Uh, I have the great luxury that I work for a company that allows me with great freedom to be great every night. If I'm not great, it's on me, not on anyone else. There's nothing impeding me. There's no one that's not supporting me. It's an unbelievable feeling to work for a company that allows you to be great every single day if you have it inside of you to try to be that, if you can do it. I don't know if I was. I I will listen to my tape and not think I was. I will promise you that. I'll be... uh, you know, I've already listened to the first quarter, and Ron had a great point about Chris Paul, and the game got going, and I never went back to it. I can tell you all this crap I did wrong. Um, but just – so anyway, my, my point of that was not about me. Well, I guess it became about me, which tells you something about me, but it's all about me. You know, uh, is that the, the, there are a bunch of people that have worked really hard that have created an atmosphere in the last two games that – you know, couple this with the arena renovation that's going to take place and all these other things. Uh, there's just a lot of great stuff going on. And behind the scenes, they're not going to get a lot of recognition. And I just thought I, um, I thought I would point that out. All right. Uh, let me, let's dig into the game. I, I, we're all going to talk Joe Johnson, but I want to talk Derek Favors. Because in the final six minutes of the game last night, Derek Favors was so good. The Jazz made some adjustments. I I get very nervous in the playoffs of sharing exactly what the adjustments are because um, I have access to shoot around and I saw them. Um, some of them are obvious, and so and I'm assuming the Clippers know all of them right now. But I've always been told about this show: assume the opponents are listening. So there's a little trepidation on my end. Uh, maybe after we win Game Six and win the series four games to two, yes, that'd be so sweet. Um, I will uh, give you all the breakdowns of of what the Jazz did, but they did some really interesting things. Um, but one of the primary ones was they committed Derek Favors to Chris Paul. So when Der- in the fourth quarter, when Chris Paul came off the pick, Derek Favors was no longer worrying about the DeAndre Jordan role like he was the night before, where he get kept getting caught in almost the quicksand of the paint, where he's backstepping, worrying about DeAndre, worrying about Chris Paul, and Chris Paul gets 14 uncontested shots in that game. In this game, Derek Favors played much more aggressively on the ball. And what he did late defensively was so great. He uh, forced to travel, stretched out. Sometimes you're not trying to you're not trying to force the turn. You just want to force Chris Paul to take two horizontal steps. And and Derek did that while Joe Johnson is going bananas last night, and he was awesome. None of that has the impact if they're not getting the stops on the other side, which at, when we ended the third quarter, Thurl Bailey, Ron Boone, and I just simply said, like, whoever is going to get stops is going to win this game. Like, someone's got to start getting stops. Nobody was getting stops at that point. And, and that is finally when it happened, was Derek Favors with seven minutes left came in for Rudy Gobert. And this goes to something we've talked about absolutely all year, that the Jazz – the story for me for the entire year for the Jazz is whether or not 
they can be good defensively when Derek Favors is on the floor without Rudy Gobert. And last night they were. Last night they were great. Uh, late in the game, they were really, really great. The offense with Derek Favors on the floor last night was on another planet. The defense actually for the whole night wasn't great for Derek, uh, but late in the game it was. Uh, the offense with Derek Favors, when Derek Favors was on the floor in his 24 minutes tonight, the, or last night, the offense scored 1.5 points per possession. Uh, the other story that is happening in this series is that more and more it is looking as though the Jazz have a matchup that the Clippers don't have an answer for. And that's when Joe Johnson plays the four. And Joe Johnson, and, and let me go back to Derek, just the struggles he's had this year. I, I just root for the kid. I love when he has a good game. Um, so, you know, let me say that. All right, in game one of the series, the Jazz had an offensive rating of 113 with Joe Johnson on the floor. It's good. Cl- uh, Warriors are like 112 for the season. Game two, when the Jazz lose, the Jazz had an offensive rating of 107 with Joe Johnson on the floor. In game three, the Jazz had an offensive rating of 131 when Joe Johnson was on the floor. And in game four, the Jazz offensive rating when Joe Johnson was on the floor is a 132. Now, I tweeted this out. And it was such an obscure note that I don't think I kept it in my main notes. I mean, I have so much data right now that, to some extent, not all of it can go on my game sheet. My game sheet is currently 22 pages long. It's a little excessive, but it's awesome. I love playoff prep. Is And, and actually, I can just pull up. I'll pull this up while we're talking. When Joe Johnson is on the floor and Blake Griffin is off the floor, the Jazz are destroying the Clippers. When Joe Johnson is on the floor and Blake Griffin is off the floor, the Jazz are destroying the Clippers. It's interesting that the, the Blake Griffin injury, which is really significant, uh, is changing this series because of the fact that Joe, when Joe, they don't have anybody to guard Joe Johnson. So when the Jazz... When Joe Johnson's on the court and Blake Griffin's on the court, the Jazz offensive rating was a 109.9. That's really good. Really good. But the defense, frankly, was a 112. When Joe Johnson is on the court and Blake Griffin has been off the floor in this series, the Jazz offensive rating is 132. I mean... That's not sustainable, you would think, but it only needs to be sustainable for two more games. That's the eye-opener. Is that Blake Griffin's injury means they don't have anybody who can guard Joe Johnson. With Gordon out, they tried Luke and Bamute, and it didn't work. But Paul Pierce can't. Most Bates can't. They clearly don't think Alan Anderson can, which is probably their best answer. And they don't think that Brandon Bass can. But when Joe Johnson is on the court and Blake Griffin is off, the Jazz are shooting 58% from the field and 54% from three. And that right now is where the series is being determined. Is that matchup is the discovery that the Jazz have. Blake, Joe Johnson is shooting 65% from the the field. Joe Johnson is shooting 65% from three. 
from the field when Blake Griffin's not on the floor. He can move everybody else wherever he wants them to go. And then the flip side of that is other guys are getting open. Rodney Hood's 3 of 6 and 3 when Joe Johnson's on the floor in those circumstances. Joe Ingles is actually 1 of 4. That 3 hit last night was his first. But other guys are getting opportunities and making shots as well. And that is the matchup that is determining where the series is going right now. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by Jamalto. Jamalto is an interesting company because sometimes people think about problems in a fashion that are different than other people. And that's what Jamalto's done. So in 2016, nearly 1.4 billion records were compromised uh, as a result of 1,800 data breaches. So that's up 86% from the previous year. 59% involved identity theft. 30% involved financial account data. 80% of the breaches affected the U.S., Seven billion records were lost or stolen in the last four years. So what's going on? One is that the breach is going to happen. And so this is where Jamalto is unique. They think about it as, okay, we got it. The breach is going to happen. So now what are we going to do? We are going to protect you when the breach happens. Right? It's a little bit of like you can, you can go switch the defense out on Chris Paul, but he's going to drive by, so you better still protect the rim. So... One is they use authentication. Good, David. Nice. Uh, Make sure that you, you know, really just the basic stuff, right? User, passwords, things like that. And then they're going to work with encryption. And then finally, the access. And they really do some really great work. They're a global leader. Their Utah uh, area is run regional sales managers, Dan Spence, but Chimalto is IBM, Oracle, Palo Alto Networks, NetApp, all sorts of major, major companies across uh, the country. And Dan Spence will help you out here in Utah, or if you're outside of Utah, he can help you as well. 801-540-3024. That's 801-540-3024. So give Dan Spence a call. He's with Jamalto. And make sure you protect once the breach happens for your company so you're not on that list of people that I just mentioned a moment ago. All right, let's go to Joe Johnson late. It's it's really special. It's seven-time All-Star. I mean, you just start looking at the bio, and he might be one of those things where you're not entirely sure, you know. Uh, but this is a guy who's sixth active in all games all time, 30, 32nd overall, fourth active in minutes, 21st overall all time. I mean, there's only 20 guys in the league who've ever played more minutes than he has in the history of the game. The guy debuted in 2001 in a game that he and Paul Pierce both played. Just to put it in perspective, Michael Doliak and Andre Miller were on the Cleveland Cavaliers when they played the uh, Boston Celtics in that game. Excuse me, i got to drink a little bit. The throat is not uh, great. Uh, seventh active in field goals, sixth active in three-point shots, seventh active in points, 42nd all-time in the NBA. There's only 41 guys in the history of the NBA that have ever scored more points than Joe Johnson. It's just insane. And he just knows how to score, how to play. And the 11 points in a row to save the season, let's not underestimate it at all, to save the season, 
were remarkable, but it was so sweet that he then leads to three straight three-point plays because that is the aspect of his game that has never been recognized for what it's worth. That is, the, the feeling on him, when you talk about ISO Joe, and I've always kind of hated that for once I've gotten to see his game, is that if you, when you refer to ISO Joe, the, I, I, it feels to me as though there's an implication that he's going to shoot every time. And anything, it's the furthest thing from the truth. ISO Joe, yes, is a move and a play, and it's just him backing down. But this is a guy for his career who averaged four assists a game, who at some one point in his career averaged seven, who averaged six on two other years. This is a willing passer. And the threes that he hit were to Rodney Hood and Joe Ingles late in the game were every bit to me as awesome as it was the 11 points in a row. And I don't know what the answer for the Clippers is on this. They're going – they are – they are – Abs, they they want to prevent you from taking threes. That is a, um, that is something that they really really pride themselves on, and they do it well. And Joe Johnson has got them flustered because Joe Johnson is getting in the paint and destroying them in this series. Joe Johnson in the paint in this series. Did I save my? Is twenty two of twenty nine shooting. 22 of 29 shooting. Come on. So they've got to, they, they can, they've got to take it away. And now they're going to be in rotations, and we're going to spread the floor with three three-point shooters and George Hill and Gordon Hayward and Joe Ingles and, Rudy, and Rodney Hood with either Derek Favors or Rudy Gobert around the rim who occupy DeAndre Jordan, and they're going to, they're going to be short guys. The Jazz offensive rating has been over 120 in both the last two games. And when Blake Griffin's off the floor and Joe Johnson's on the floor, the Jazz offensive rating is 130. So if you're the Clippers, this is a significant problem. Here's what's happened in this series. For the first three games of the series, the Clippers were better than the Jazz. With Rudy Gobert out of the game, the Clippers were better than the Jazz. And they got two of the three. And now, game four, I don't know. Without Gordon Hayward and without Blake Griffin, maybe a wash, but maybe. And now, if Gordon Hayward comes back, the Jazz are the better team with three games left in the series. For the next three games, the Jazz are the better team. Now, you still don't win on the road very often. You only got to get one of the two and win at home. And road teams don't win game sevens very often. So somehow you got to try to win three in a row. Probably. Um, but right now, uh, it is a case in which, by the way, the home team, I believe, wins, just so you make sure you understand what I just referenced, the home team wins 81% of home, I remember this in the finals last year. 81% of game sevens. The home team now, I think it's 15-4 and four after the Warriors lost last year in home games in the finals. 
Um, but there's a significant injury in the series in Blake to Blake Griffin. Uh, and there is so the and the Jazz at this point are the better team. But ideally, you don't have to try to do it game seven on the road there. But winning the series is a legitimate possibility again, which it certainly did not feel like when we left the arena on Friday night. And frankly, if you go to the podcast I did last Friday, without Rudy and with Blake, they were better. Now, without Blake... And with us having Rudy, we're better. And that's where this series has been just incredible. And Chris Paul is mind-blowingly awesome. Mind-blowingly awesome. The What he has done, and what I think may have happened last night, And this is where the Blake injury is important. Chris Paul's final 15-0 run in Game 3 was, you know, everything superstars are made of. But to me, if you go back and look at, rewatch that game, which I've done, he, in the first and the third, first and second quarters, the game, the Jazz are about to run away with that game. And are absolutely taking control, and Chris Paul wills the Clippers back into that game. And then wins the game in the finale. It, it was just a virtuoso. He he was just great. He was beeping good. It's what, a million texts went back and forth between me and other people that matter, saying basically the same thing. The next step on this was he had to do it two more times last night in both the first and the second quarter again when it felt like the Jazz were kind of running away. Here was Chris Paul making the plays and willing his team back into the game. The My thought is, at that point, when it hit the fourth quarter, Chris Paul was on empty. They didn't five times in two games in three days. He had kind of grabbed the game by its throat and willed his team back into it. And he just didn't have one more in him. And one of the reasons he didn't have one more in him is even the game had become just a slow-paced grinder because they were missing the 17 shots that Blake Griffin was, or more, if you actually think about, uh, he didn't play the, frankly, he's averaging 17 shots a game, but it's actually probably 19 shots a game if you look at the first two games, right? Uh, yeah, 21 and 21 shots in the first two games. They're missing the 21 shot attempts from Blake. It's not that the shot attempts from Blake Griffin are the most efficient, and it's not that the, the that Blake Griffin necessarily is, uh, you know, that unguardable. It's that Blake Griffin was creating other opportunities where Chris Paul could take a possession off. The other thing that Blake Griffin was doing is Blake Griffin took 51 shots in the three games he was in. He took 11 of them in the first eight, six seconds of the shot clock. 12 of them. 12 of them in the first six seconds of the shot clock. 
he took the his majority of them kind of in the middle of the shot clock. But he was 11 of 12, and maybe the one miss is probably a putback. He was 11 of 11 from 15 to 22 on the shot clock. That's early rim runs, getting to the basket, generally sprint early offense, and that was eliminated for the Clippers in game four of the series. And in turn, it means that Chris Paul is managing every single possession. I'd be curious if whether or not, and I'm going to look this up because I just thought about this as we're talking, is whether or not the time of possession, and I don't know if I can find that really quickly, whether uh, player tracking, let's see if that's what has it. So um, Chris Paul's touches last night were 91. His distance was 2.25 miles. I don't, I kind of doubt those numbers are going to be vastly different uh, than they were. What I would be curious about, and I don't have, is the time of possession number. The, uh, I think Chris Paul has to have, and it might not be a lot, but it, it might not seem like a lot, but if it's, if he's suddenly, you know, bringing the ball up another five possessions that he didn't earlier in the series, or maybe it's, it's 10, you know, if Blake Griffin's using that many shots, there's a fatigue there's a considerable fatigue factor that begins to happen. And that, I think, wore out Chris Paul a little bit. He He's incredible. I mean, he's going to be trying to knock him out of the playoff series. is going to be something else. Uh, his touches and his mileage were about the exact same in game number two. So I, that metric is not going to show what I think I saw. Maybe I didn't see it. Who knows? Today's show, uh, also today, sponsored by Blue Apron, the number one fresh ingredient recipe delivery service in the country. If you'd like to get three free meals and start Blue Apron, go to L-O-C-K or go to blueapron.com slash L-O-C-K-J-A-Z-Z. That's L-O-C-K-J-A-Z-Z. Affordable for less than $10 per person per meal. Great variety. We've been, we've every single meal we've just loved in our house. Um, you can customize your recipes. You go online. You choose whether you want two, three, or four for the week. You choose each plan which you choose that has different recipes you can choose from. Um, I'm actually mesmerized by Blue Apron and their inventory and their recipes and how they do this. Uh, but it's been great. Crispy salmon and roast potato salad with pickled mushroom seed, mustard seeds we had one day. And uh, we had a, a beef teriyaki stir fry with sugar snap peas and lime rice. It's been super. So Blue Apron, number one. Uh, fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Go to L-O-C-K-J-A-Z-Z to get your three meals. Uh, Joe Ingles would be the next one we've got to talk about. Long show today, sorry. Uh, and, and Quinn Snyder. So Quinn Snyder made a bunch of adjustments defensively last night that took away the rim roll by DeAndre Jordan that were um, were pretty special. The offensive adjustment was to turn the ball over to Joe Ingles, and basically Joe Ingles played point guard last night. And it led to 12 assists. And it led to George Hill's awesome spot-up shooting in the corner. He went two of six. Uh, it was – or no, that was the – that's the wrong game. Sorry. Um, he – it was – Joe Ingles had just a terrific game. And, you know, the story can't get better, right? It's against the team that cut him and and all of that. Uh, but 
the idea that Quinn gave him the ball and he was able to manage the high pick and roll and, and control it. And now if you're, frankly, if you're Doc, you've got to figure out whether you're trying to shut off Joe Ingles a little bit. And his ability to play the point with his size at the top. Uh, or whether or not, George Hill, by the way, was one of three from three last night. Uh, or whether or not you're, you know, and how much you're worrying about Joe Johnson. We suddenly, and Gordon Hayward comes back, he's going to have the ball in his hands. We've suddenly inverted the entire game by having big guys with the basketball uh, in a manner that is, is a little unusual and probably not matched up to the Clippers defensively. Uh, Austin Rivers' injury is significant, too, because they they run out of guys. right? Jamal Crawford was great last night. Uh, Paul Pierce wasn't as good last night. 12 minutes less impact. Most spates, just two of eight, didn't seem to have the impact. They, when they want, they they played small. They dropped in Bamute to the power forward, putting then a smaller Crawford or one of those guys on the uh, Crawford, Crawford, Reddick, or Chris Paul on Joe Ingles. Ingles is so much bigger, he's able to conduct. Now you put in Bamute on Joe Ingles, and maybe Joe has a problem, but then. You're now back to him playing three. You've got to play somebody else to the four, and now you have the whole problem where you can't guard Joe Johnson. Doc Rivers got a tough job right now. He's got a gap in his lineup. He doesn't have 48 minutes of lineups either. To me, that's what I think the Blake Griffin injury does, is they don't have 48 minutes of lineups anymore. Now, last night, what's interesting is their lineup, they played more than any other lineup last night, was Chris Paul, J.J. Redick, Jamal Crawford, Mba Mute, and DeAndre Jordan. So that's them going small, playing Mba Mute's four. It didn't work. It was minus seven. Their starting lineup last night, they played only eight minutes all night. So they're, they're fishing for lineups and trying to see. Doc in the postgame press conference said he liked what he had. He liked the creativity of what they were able to do. Doc's a great lineup coach. And finding matchups. I don't think uh, that he necessarily has a ton of answers on this. All right, so here's where I leave you today. We have a three-game series. The Jazz are the better team at this point of health. The the, The Clippers have got to figure out two different things. How they're guarding Joe Johnson without Blake Griffin and what personnel they want to play. And if they don't get Austin Rivers back, they don't have great answers. Now, if can the Jazz win a game in L.A. again? That's the question. And can the Jazz win three in a row, or are they going to have to be one of the 20% that goes and wins a game seven on the road? Certainly going to be hard still to win this series. But boy, what an incredible twist and insane turns we have had so far in this series from the first play of the series to the with Gobert going down to the Joe Johnson game winner to the Clippers doing what they're supposed to do to Gordon Hayward's career performance to Chris Paul just absolutely sticking venom into the Jazz to Chris Paul the snake having his head cut off at the beginning in this game by Derek Favors to Joe Johnson's close to tie it to to Salt Lake City revving up an insane energy level to the playoffs being back in the city it deserves to be to this franchise tied it to looking to possibly move on. Wow, 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 wow. 
incredible. I was going to get into the rest of the playoff series, but I've been talking for 34 minutes, and I need to shut up and save my voice. This is awesome. You guys rock Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you'd like to advertise on Locked On Jazz, email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's D-L-O-C-K-E-0-9 at gmail.com. This has been Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.